Yeah, it, you know, Mark, you're, you're referring to the part, backing up a little bit. In verse 25, it says, Then he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart, to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. It makes me emotional, you know? I mean, <clears throat> Jesus is doing a Bible study with these guys. We're going to keep know. some Kleenex on the table. <laughs> I know, man. He's doing a Bible study with these guys, talking to them about the Messiah himself, showing them from the Word of God that they treasured and revered that this is who the Messiah is, and it's him, and they don't even know it. Mm-hmm. And and he he took the time to take them through through Scripture and to open God's Word to them. Welcome to the Confession Time Hour on the Living Waters podcast. This is a Catholic program. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, I have a confession to make. Sometimes, only sometimes, I crave a Big Mac over an In-N-Out. That is absolutely not you. Are you serious? The other day, Mark, you remember, the other day I was sharing this with Mark in his office, and I actually had to whisper because I was scared someone would hear me. Kidding? And that's that's legitimate. (laughs) This this man also orders his steak well done, medium well, medium well. Don't slander me, Oscar. With don't start uh, false. We were at like the nicest steakhouse in town, and he gets a well done steak with a one sauce. He also uh, wait, Mark. You don't use a one. Come on. No, not typically. I mean, I will. How could but, people not use A1? I, I like it's it. glorious. Because yeah, we're not 12. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Oscar used to be a part of the Living Waters <laughs> podcast. And then the other day, we're at the most mediocre pizza place ever, and he's like, this is the greatest pizza I've ever had in my entire life. Oh, uh, he's... Did you just diss Marino's <laughs> right now? Oh, come on. But a Big Mac, really. When was the last time you had a Big Mac? It's probably been a month, maybe, or something like that. Well, it's because I'm doing this stupid diet. Mm-hmm. I have not had a Big Mac in 33 years. Okay, really? I feel That's sorry you for you, You Mark. can't speak with authority. All I have to say is their sauce is a drug. What that, sauce? probably right. Their sauce on their Big Mac. <laughs> what kind of sauce is that? I have no idea. That's, that's a sauce. Absolutely. That's a, that's a little, love it. Special sauce this is a lawsuit. When you, oh, were, you were speaking <laughs> me- metaphorically when you said it's a drug, <laughs> Mr. McDonald's. Yeah. Uh, you're, but you're boy, wrong. I don't know. what it, Ray, you don't like McDonald's? Huh? Yeah, I do. Um, it's this consistent, Mark, we were in Paris and we went to McDonald's. Well, that's because we didn't want to eat fish. Frog's legs. <laughs> Go on. Go on. Wait, where? I don't want to eat frog legs and uh, fish eggs. Ooh, I love where was this at, you said? We're in Paris, Paris, and we went straight to McDonald's. Uh, and I was thinking, we've got to be crazy. But we did, because there's a consistency of McDonald's. You could be just in the middle of the some desert, and there's yeah. McDonald's. The filet of fish is different in Paris. I think it's piranha. <laughs> I mean, everything's just slightly different. The ketchup, though it's red, is not really ketchup. Mm. No, don't diss the ketchup. They I think that's real. But I do know, I saw a documentary once or something where they showed the fries. It was like some pink goop. Really? That they made their I fries. No, that's the chicken I thought that was a special sauce. Is that the nuggets? That's the chicken I don't know, man. Anyways, I don't think they call them chicken nuggets anymore. I think it's just nuggets. They can't use the word chicken. nuggets. Kentucky Fried Chicken's just KFC. Yeah. But... Speaking of Paris, you guys remember we were in Paris when we mm-hmm. filmed for the TV show. Remember like a Coke, a, a bottle of Coke was like eight bucks. Oh. I was talking to the tax lady, Mark. She does both of our taxes. I was there yesterday or the day before. 
And she said, uh, she said, yeah, her son's in Europe. She said, yeah, and I was like 15 bucks. For a soda? For a Coke. $15. Speaking of that, can you remember the guy who was dressed like a statue? He was white and what he Ah, said? Alan. Alan. My name, Alan. (laughs) This TV show, I really like. (laughs) (laughs) The best was when you asked him a question that needed, uh, I think it needed. Yes, the answer or something? What was it? He just keeps saying yes. No, no. You asked him, do you this or not? You said, do you love God with all your heart or do you this or do you not? And he goes, yes. (laughs) I don't know what it was, but it just was hilarious. Anyway, um, yeah, Ray, you you mentioned it lightly in the last podcast, but that video you did on In-N-Out was amazing. Have we posted that? No, not yet. Not We're yet. still working on it. We want to um, lift up the motion graphics in it, but uh, oh, that... I, should, I should call it eternal salvation <laughs> um, because that's what we got in Christ, eternal salvation. Um, but yeah, there's, it's, uh, it brings out the whole Christian aspect, the foundation of uh, in and out as Christian, and uh, that, that's exciting. Yeah, the most fascinating part was the beginning where that guy like was walking away from you. He was like, ah, oh, forget you. And, Can I give you a couple in and out cats? What? He did a 180. Yeah. It was was right back. Yeah, that was great. So, yes, friends, I can't eat anything now with this stupid diet. That's how we know you're on a diet is every episode starts with you talking about (laughs) food. food. (laughs) I called the guy who commented on the one's hunger. I think what a diet diet is called diet. Diet. It's just awful. Yeah. Well, we are all on a diet. It's just you get to choose what you want to. Yeah, that's true. I fast every day between dinner and breakfast. <laughs> I only have one meal a day now. It, what? Really? Yeah, I do. I have discipline. I start eating at 7 a.m. and finish eating about <laughs> 8 p.m. Just eat all meal. day, nonstop. <laughs> some men I, eat to live, some men live to eat. I, I could see that eat. as like a Guinness Book world of World Records type thing. Who ate the longest, like for how, like nonstop eating? I think I saw the man that did that. (laughs) (laughs) Rest in peace. (laughs) Yeah. All right, friends, we have a comment. This is from Jeb2347768. Seriously. Best podcast ever. I'm so grateful for Living Waters Ministry. They have brought clarity on so many subjects that I have struggled with in my almost eight years of being a Christian. I'm so encouraged and strengthened by the podcast and look forward to Tuesdays and Thursdays every week. Praise God for creating and sustaining this ministry. Is that when they're put up, Tuesdays and Thursdays? You didn't know that? I didn't know that. (laughs) We've got a podcast? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you, Jeb. I'm not going to go through the numbers again, but we appreciate that. Uh, It means so much to us. And somewhere out there, someone's like, but which Jeb? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Jeb Bush. All right, friends, this podcast is brought to you by new and improved Living Waters Hats. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you have the ugly ones. We've got new ones. They'll regrow your hair or make you bald if you choose. They'll make you taller or shorter if you prefer. They'll cure halitosis, kill lice on contact, and instantly give you a Fidel Castro beard. But wait. (laughs) There's more. There's more. more. (laughs) Hey, I love these hats, man. They're really, really nice. Order six and we'll charge you for six. Yeah. Order (laughs) order six, we'll charge you for six. Uh, Living Waters hats. And don't forget the Evidence Bible. No. Evidence Study Bible Mm -hmm. at livingwaters.com. All right, guys. Today we are talking about uh, Lazarus. No. No, the road to Oh, no. I gave away the next one. We're talking about food once again. I gave away the next one. We're talking about food. Yeah. Heartburn. This episode is entitled Heartburn, Exploring What Happened on the Road to Emmaus. That's one of my 
favorite stories oh, in the Gospels. Is it? Yeah. You like it, right? It's a famous painting that someone did. I think the painter's name was... Oh, he's a good guy. Just <laughs> incredible. And it's got Jesus from the back walking with two disciples among some trees on a path. I'm sure you've seen it. It's just beautiful. But yeah. the whole that whole incident, it's a mystery. How did they not recognize him? They weren't one of the 11 disciples. They were disciples. They obviously heard Jesus speak, saw him, and yet they didn't recognize him. And yeah. when paintings are usually done, he's wearing a hoodie usually and seen from the back and probably disguised his voice or whatever. <laughs> but why would that Why would that be? Why do you think he's anything? Yeah, well, actually? Scripture talks about... Oh, go, go ahead, ahead Oscar. Well, go ahead. Uh, yeah, so in verse 16, it says that they were prevented. In the word prevented, uh, this came up in the commentary that I was reading in preparation for today, is what you call divine passive. It's a passive verb used without attribution to the show that God is acting. In other words, they didn't recognize him because God prevented them. Mm. He shut their eyes, if you will. And then what's interesting is that in verse 31, when it says their eyes are opened, it uses divine passive verb again. In other words, it, when it was time after going through the scriptures, God revealed to them, he opened their eyes so that they may see Jesus. In other words, you know, I've heard guys talk about, oh, you know, maybe maybe it was bright and sunny. He was looking at him from the wrong angle. Maybe they were looking down. They were too depressed to look up and see who it is. Uh, but you can't ignore that the scriptures want you to understand that God was at work divinely opening their eyes and divinely shutting their eyes uh, in order that he would reveal himself at the right time to them. I wonder if it's a type of Jesus said to Peter, who to me and say that I am. And he said, some say, the Christ, John the Baptist, risen from the dead or whatever. He says, who do you say I am? And then, blessed are you, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So God reveals who Jesus is, and perhaps that's a physical type of them actually understanding who he was. Mm, that's good. Yeah. Mark sixteen twelve too. Uh it right, says, right. After mm. Th- mm. That's a good one. <laughs> mm, great oh, one. Man. That's great, easy. After that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. Yeah. So, you know, you, you wonder how did the Lord do that? Was it, you know, their eyes? Was it a different appearance? You know, I mean, Jesus did some amazing things, going through walls. I mean, it really makes me think, Lord, what are our glorified bodies going to be like? I'll keep the same. <laughs> yeah. six, I six. I can't, right? Except for that, I can't think of any improvements. But yeah, <laughs> that's what you call delusion. Uh, you're laughing too much, Oscar. Oh, sorry. Yeah. What, what is it, right? Six foot six. six with a hairy chest. With a hairy chest. Uh-huh. Yeah. For eternity, uh, yeah. one inch taller than Ken Ham because he mocks me all the time about my height. Not my height. It's oh, your glorified body will be an inch taller than him. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Because ask what you will, and it shall be done. Do and you that's think fine. Ken will get? the mustache to complete his beard. That's what he needs. (laughs) That's really what he needs. But, you know, guys, let's camp out here just for a minute. Okay. (laughs) Get out the camping What do you think Jesus was teaching? Do you think maybe it was uh, Hell's Best Kept Secret? (laughs) (laughs) Even like seven A's, gone very crazy. Okay, so do you guys think that you think too little on eternity? And I'm talking about heaven and, and, and... all that it entails. Oh, yeah, I think so. Because we, we don't know what to think. I mean, seriously, how can we begin to imagine when Scripture says we cannot begin to imagine? Eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. I often think, imagine talking to the Lord before he brought creation into being mm. and just standing there and God says to you, okay, try and imagine what I'm going to now do. Yeah. And we wouldn't have a clue. Blue sky. 
yeah. big ball of fire and shining down on everything, giraffes, camels, horses, cats, cows, all these things are just beyond our imagination. Then how much more when we're going to have a glorified creation to spend eternity yeah. and enjoy forevermore. Uh, I don't know how anyone can look at an octopus and deny the existence of God. They taste good. No. <laughs> or cuttlefish. But do, do, cuttlefish. Seriously, do you know how many hearts an octopus has and all that sort of stuff? It's I'm talking just, about what they, how they change colors. Three, three hearts. Seriously? I think so, yeah. Wow. Octopi, oct, what do you call multiple octopus? Octopi. Octopuses? It's octopi? octopi. Is it octopi? octopi? Yeah. Octopi. Of is this cat. Um, yeah, but have you guys seen cuttlefish? How they can, um, they have they have colors that like, I don't know what you Just call it. Awesome. It's they called, radiate. Yeah, it's called like, evolution. Easy. That's what it's called. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the wonders of God's creation, mm. but I, I think too little on eternity. And that's a point I'm actually convicted on. There's times when I pause long enough to think about the splendors of heaven and this kind of surge of of indescribable joy floods me. And I'm like, wait a minute. I think too little of the place where I'm headed, you know, where we're going to be with, with mm-hmm. the Lord forever and ever. Um, Randy Alcorn has a great book, Heaven. And boy, talk about being so heavenly minded that you're very much, you know, a person who's of earthly good. Randy Alcorn is just amazing. And I think a big part of it is, mm the fact that he meditates on heaven. I remember eight years ago, I think when 180 came out, we were we were emailing with him and there were he times- He sent us 10,000 free books. Yeah, he told yeah. 10,000 of his books, but we were emailing with him at night. You know, it was like two in the morning, all of us were up crazy guys. But just his his love for the Lord, his warmth, his, mm. I don't know, his his love. He wrote yeah. me a, a two-page paper encouraging me with the- when I had spoken to the Denver Broncos. Wow. And it was so encouraging. I was just, it wasn't just something that was just flipping. He spent a lot of time into it. And I was blown away by his uh, ability as a shepherd to mm. want to connect yeah. and to light a fire underneath And me. humility, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to go back to a question that Mark asked earlier. Uh, and I know it was somewhat in jest, but you said, uh, what do you think he was teaching on Hell's Best Kept Secret? Uh, and of course, we know in the scriptures that Jesus on the road to Emmaus was teaching through the law and the prophets. He was teaching through the Old Testament. Uh, and, and the answer to that or the reason why he does that goes back to where we started, which is why did that not recognize him? Uh, the commentary that I read says this, that Jesus wanted their faith in him to rest on the witness of the scriptures, mm. not on their personal experience, not on their feelings and on their emotions. It wasn't until after he reveals himself through the Old Testament that their eyes are open. And to make this point, this gentleman points out that this story is told in a, in a chiastic structure, which we've talked about this before. Often these stories are told in an ABC CBA method with the middle being the main point. And so here's here's the chiastic method in which this story on the road is told. It says, the disciples are going from Jerusalem to Emmaus slowly and sadly. That's your A. Jesus appears, B. C, their eyes are prevented from recognizing him. The middle point, the lesson. An Old Testament lesson on who God was. And then their eyes goes from being prevented to being opened and they do recognize him. Then Jesus disappears. And then the disciples rush back from Emmaus to Jerusalem quickly and joyfully. Mm. And so the center point 
if, if anybody wants to know, what is this, you know, we can talk a lot about uh, the evidential witness of this experience, uh, but the main point of this story is Jesus in the Old Testament, that mm. all of the Old Testament, that the law and the prophets are meant to point to Christ, or to say differently, in order for us to understand the scriptures, both Old Testament and New, mm. we have to read them in light of the cross. And I love this quote that uh, that John Calvin does. This is a preface to the French translation of the New Testament from 1535. Mm. This is Calvin, he says, he, that is Jesus, he is Isaac, beloved son of the father who was offered as a sacrifice, but nevertheless did not succumb to the power of death. He is the good and compassionate brother Joseph, who in his glory was not ashamed to acknowledge his brothers, however lowly and abject their condition. He is the great sacrificer and bishop Melchizedek, who has offered an eternal sacrifice once and for all. Jesus is the sovereign lawgiver Moses, writing his law on the tables of our hearts by his spirit. He is the faithful captain and guide Joshua to lead us to our promised land. He is the victorious and noble King David, bringing by his hand all rebellious power to subjection. Jesus is the triumphant King Solomon, governing his kingdom in peace and prosperity. He is the strong and powerful Samsung, who by his death, has overwhelmed all of his enemies. In other words, he goes on to say, if one were to sift through the law and the prophets rightly, he would not find a single word that would not draw and bring him closer to Christ. Mm. That's Calvin. I love it. Even Job. Job was a type of Jesus, stripped of everything. Yeah. No comforters on that cross. That's good. Wow. Very powerful. You know what blows me away about the whole account uh, of the Rodomaeus? is here you have the creator of the universe, the king of glory. They give me goosebumps. <laughs> the one that, right, spoke mm. and the world's leapt into existence. The one who uses the earth as his footstool. The one before whom the nations are like the fine dust of the scale. The one before whom seraphim fly and cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who spans the universe with his hand. And this now is is after his most triumphant moment mm. in his redemption plan. He's risen from the dead. He he has he, you know he he's put to shame all the schemes of the enemy, and then he chooses to appear to two men <laughs> walking on the road to a man who are depressed. Two men, yeah, right. I mean, he it's and God obviously sovereignly chose this this moment, and and he had a purpose in it in terms of becoming a part of Holy Scripture. But but also, I think that it's a statement to us of yeah. his love for his people. Absolutely. And and what he did in that account, right? The, the taking uh, you know, of his time to interact with them. Let me read a little bit of it. And for those of you listening, uh, the main account is, is Luke 24, 13 to 35. And I'll just read some and we'll stop at different points. But it says, now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Mm. Mark, just the fact that he took a moment to touch upon their humanity 
you know, you're sad. And then he poses that question. I mean, this was Jesus' habit, wasn't it, Mark? Always asking questions of people, answering questions with questions. Hey, listener. Have you ever imagined yourself having a box of goodies for you to give away to every friend, loved one, non-believer that crosses your path? Well, now you can get one. That's because Living Waters is giving away 10 free boxes of goodies every single week. That's eight in the USA and two overseas. And this is being made possible by a faithful partner of ours that has given us funds to make these resources available to you for free. Each of these boxes has a hundred dollars. That's right, $100 worth of tracks, books, and even your very own podcast mug. Go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast, fill out the form, and then listen to the end of the episodes where we will be announcing our winners. Livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. Good luck. Yeah, isn't, isn't that great? You know, the... Pharisees often would ask a question to Jesus, not expecting or desiring an answer. And answering a question with a question, that that Socratic method, it invokes critical thinking. It causes an individual to really think through uh, their worldview and why they are believing what they're believing and why they're saying what they're saying, why they're insinuating in between the lines. Mm. Uh, I think a a really great takeaway here is that uh, truth is important, right? Mm. Their hearts burned within them because the scriptures testified of Jesus Christ to being the truth. And to Oscar's point, all of the Bible, all of the Old Testament, all of the Tanakh, that it it points back to what is truth. And have you ever had that? And I'm sure we, I mean, obviously we have. When you're listening to a solid message that is being exposited before you, your heart just begins to burn within you. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Right? People claim to hunger and thirst for truth, but they don't like the taste of it when it is served up. When truth conveys a correct message, which is what truth will always do, it will always set a heart on blaze for God if that person wants to walk with God. Right. Remember, Jesus, he he rebukes, was it Cleopas, I think his, his name is? Is that the name inside there? Yeah. It's the male version of Cleopatra, mm-hmm. right, that... And I like what John MacArthur, in talking about uh, this text, he says, more than likely, you know, this man was talking about this story every single day of his life. Why couldn't he just give us the details? Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, why couldn't he just tell us exactly what was happening when their hearts were burning within them? But uh, John MacArthur went on to say that this text alone has been the text that has set his preaching on fire to stick to the text. Yeah to exposit the text mm-hmm. because people's hearts would burn within them when truth is shared. Heart burned because it was being illuminated to the truth. And we see people being rebuked all the time, just as they were rebuked. Well, how come you didn't believe the prophets of old, right? We get rebuked today because we are still drinking milk yeah. in certain aspects. I was talking to a brother last night. I said, listen, man, you're going to a church that the church is, it's okay but why not go to a church where you can get some good, solid teaching? It's kind of like uh, what Paul Washer said about R.C. Sproul, that he had the ability to exposit in a single article what most people need to have an entire book to explain. Hmm. 
Stick to the facts, stick to the words, stick to a minimalistic teaching when it comes to stories and analogies and metaphors as much as possible. Do whatever you need to do to connect. And this is why it is so important. This is why I I absolutely love, Easy, the way you are somewhat of a master of the English language, using words continually, causing people to up their game, up their game so that they can take in more in a shorter amount of time. It's like I could use the word simultaneous or I could say the words, it happens at the same time, (laughs) right? Using longer words to convey longer messages in a shorter amount of time. I love it. Wow. Mm. Yeah, it, you know, Mark, you're, you're referring to the part where, it, well, in part, backing up a little bit, in verse 25, it says, Then he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart, to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. It makes me emotional, you know, I mean... Jesus is doing a Bible study with these guys. We're going to keep some Kleenex on the table. I know, man. He's doing a Bible study with these guys, talking to them about the Messiah himself, showing them from the word of God that they treasured and revered that this is who the Messiah is, and it's him, and they don't even know it. Mm-hmm. And and he he took the time to take them through through scripture and to open God's word to them, you know? Is it? Go ahead, sorry. Oh. Is it? Well, I was going to say, Ray, we can still do that. He's given us his word. We can still go through that same word that he read to them. And have faith in it. I I may be wrong here, but I've seen commentators say uh, Jesus rebuked gently his disciples. I don't know if it was a gentle rebuke. (laughs) It was in the King James fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. When Zacharias had unbelief in his heart, the angel struck him dumb because you're saying God's a liar if you don't believe scripture. Mm -hmm. He that believes not God has made him a liar. So we need to look at this word and say, I believe every word of it because faith produces joy and joy produces a physical energy. I'm going to start off (laughs) preaching another message, but but, um, yeah, so we've got to look at that and say, we don't want to be fools and slow of heart. We want to be wise and quick to believe. Yeah. Because we don't want to insult God's integrity by not believing his promises. Yeah, it's good. It also brings me comfort. Um, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I've had enough Array of that. Array of comfort? No, you know, these men were followers of Jesus. Mm-hmm. They were following his ministry. Um, these weren't, you know, people, these weren't the Pharisees that, that uh, wanted Christ to die. These weren't the Samaritans that were questioning his Jewish heritage. These were disciples, followers of Jesus. And so it brings me comfort because their understanding of what God was doing was misaligned from what God was doing. They were following Jesus and now he dies on a cross and they're discombobulated. They're like, what is going on? We Mm -hmm. thought he was gonna be our savior. They're walking home like, is it over? Mm -hmm. Is it done? Did God not follow through on his promises? And I think, As we read the text, this wasn't an uncommon experience for people in the New Testament. They were expecting a a Christ that was going to be a revolutionary politician that was going to overcome Rome. Mm. They were expecting an economic Christ that was going to put them back in, you know, economic prosperity. They were expecting something so utterly than the upside down kingdom. What they weren't expecting is how 
Jesus was going to bring about his kingdom through primarily a spiritual renewal first, Mm. that a king must die so that the rest of us would live. They, They missed it. And I can't help but wonder how often we miss it. Like if Jesus came back today and his kingdom was so different than the kingdom of man, would, would I be discombobulated? Hmm. Would I misunderstand what God is doing? Right. And so it it brings me hope because even though, even though they missed it, he wasn't done with them. Hmm. He reveals himself, he uses God's word and he draws them to, to himself. Well, you know, I think we need to be careful as well of getting the Peter syndrome, right? I mean, Peter was radically praised by Jesus after Jesus asks, but who do you say that I am, right? After he asks, what are the people saying? And they told him, but who do you say? And he, he had that great declaration, right? You're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. Oh man, yes, Simon Peter, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my father. But then later Christ, who is God, revealed to them right after that, that he has to go to the cross and die. And what's Peter do? He rebukes the Lord. Not so, Lord, not so, Lord, right? And Jesus says to him, what? Get ye behind me saying, you're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of man. And that's what I believe causes us to stray Mm. from being those who believe the scripture. Our own biases, our own man-leaning perspectives end up coming into play. And we come across truths in God's word that we like question God on. We basically say to God, no, it can't be like this. Man, we have to be careful. We have to stay in the word. We have to allow the word to become a part of us. And that's what he's saying to them. Look, the scriptures, you're slow to believe. I mean, all that the prophets have said, this has been spelled out for you. It's like an oxymoron. Well, it is an oxymoron, not so Lord. Yeah, right? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Listen to what John MacArthur said. He said, scripture, because of its absolute clarity, brings understanding where there is ignorance order where there is confusion and light where there is spiritual and moral darkness. It stands in stark contrast to the muddled musings of unredeemed men who themselves are blind and unable to discern truth or live righteously. God's word clearly reveals the blessed, hopeful truth they can never see. Hmm. Oh man, you know, these guys were in a moment of temporary blindness, but- Do you remember what I sent Penn Jillette? Do you remember that? What was it? I sent him an evidence Bible, but it wasn't one of those blank ones that I got from the printers because they sent me three blank Bibles. There was nothing on the inside just to see if I liked the binding. Yeah. And so I sent and I wrote a note at the beginning. This is what the Bible will be to you if you have a proud heart. (laughs) Yeah, because Penn Jillette actually said he read the Bible every day. Yeah. And I was blown away when he told us that. I think it was when we went to do the interview with Lawrence Krauss. Yeah, in DC. And he goes, I read the Bible every single day. And I try to ask myself, what's behind that? Is it so he can continue to try to disprove it? Or is is there really a curiosity? How could you get nothing out of the scriptures? How could you not fall on your face when you read Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount? Well, and the the other mistake that people make is that they, they try to turn stories like the story of the road to Emmaus into legend or myth. Mm. They try to act like it's it's not a part of history. Joseph Campbell would say Emmaus never happened. Emmaus always happens. Mm-hmm. You see, he looks at these things as like these spiritual journeys in which we come to experience uh, who said, who a type of that? God. Joseph Campbell. Is he a modernist or something? Uh, yeah, he's, he's passed away now, but he wrote... Um, 
the power of myth and uh, the the hero of a thousand faces. I've read uh, I read the power uh, I read hero of a thousand faces. Um, he essentially takes Christianity along with all other religions, and he tries to say, uh, you know, honestly, he's he's like what's his name, Justin Peterson. Justin Peters? Jordan. Jordan. Jordan, Jordan Peterson. Peterson yeah. he, similar to Jordan Peterson in which the scriptures act as like a, a myth or a legend for us to be able to better understand our own selves. And, and the problem with that is, as Richard Bachman points out, this is not legendary or mythological literature. Hmm. Legendary or mythological literature is often written in the, the account of the deity and no one who was there to witness it. Okay, so as... Well, there's tons of examples out there, but what Bachman points out is that this is written as a historic eyewitness event. And he points out a couple of things. He mentions how curious it is that later on uh, down the line, Jesus asks for something to eat. Mm -hmm. And in this story, he breaks bread with people. Eating is not something that that stories of myth happens. The nuance of like, (laughs) I'm hungry, give me something to eat. That doesn't come up in mythological stories. He points out also how rebellious it was in its honesty. The fact that the women were the eyewitnesses. The fact that these men said that that their women amazed them. This is something that if you were a reader 2000 years ago, you'd be like, women? You're talking about women when it comes to this, but they were speaking it because it was simply the truth. Mm -hmm. The women amazed them with their faithfulness. They were the first ones to witness a resurrected Jesus, which means they're also the very first ones to proclaim a gospel with a resurrected Christ to the apostles. He also uses names like footnotes. This is very important because John wrote this book about 60 years after Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension, which means he's writing as an eyewitness, using other names of eyewitnesses to tell non-eyewitnesses what happened. And what you would do back then is you would go, oh, here's a name. I'm going to go travel over there. I'm going to ask them, hey, Mark, John told me that you saw this. Is that true? It was a way for them to confirm what John was saying actually happened. In other words, all this to say, Joseph Campbell is simply, dare I say, ignorant. Certainly, I would say wrong about trying to turn this event into myth, into legend. It has happened. Jesus's life is like the epicenter of a historic earthquake. When we feel the rumblings, we have the technology to go figure out where that came from. There is a epic rumbling that has happened in history. And the epicenter is the resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. To any non-believer listening, wouldn't it be worth your time to go and explore that epicenter to figure out what has happened? Yeah, It'll rock you. Yeah. It'll rock you. And and yet we see that that glorious God who brought about that earthquake uh, of indescribable magnitude, engaging in the mundane, yeah. right? Yeah. Walking with these two men who were sad and opening their eyes to the truth. And, so Izzy, uh, when do you get heartburn? When does your heart burn within you? What brings that on? Honestly, I think what's already been touched on here, when, when I am coming face to face with God's word and I'm infusing into that encounter a focus on the realities of what I'm reading. 
Yeah. This isn't something that that is just to fill my brain with information. I'm reading about the living God who interacted with man. You know, that's seen in my mind against the backdrop of who I am as a man, my sinfulness, my wretchedness, my, my desert of nothing but wrath and judgment and indignation. That's not being hard on ourselves. That's being truthful. Like we talked about the value of truth. Mm. That's truth. We have to look into the mirror of reality and see that reflection and own it. Because when we do that, it magnifies the, the love of God. Yeah. That he would condescend to interact with us. Okay, let's take it further. To become one of us. Okay, one more mm. step. To die for us in order to redeem us. Mm. What? I mean, it's like, you know, there's a book I read once that talked about how one of the tragedies is that people will excuse things that were done to them, right? So they'll say, oh, my parents did this, that, or the other, but, you know, they they loved me. It wasn't that bad or whatever. And then they love that false image. But real love is looking and saying, no, no, my parents were abusive. My parents did horrible things to me and I love them mm. and I forgive them. Mm. So when we look at who we really are, and then we marry that with, wow, and he did that for us. Mm. Man, my heart just, it, it just burns. And, and we uh, love him because he first loved us. Yeah, yeah that's good. It's Amen. Christ on the cross that's the, the expression of that love. Yeah. And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Mm. You know, Mark, one of the things I know that you really like to do is meditate. Uh, and you do that a lot in your car. You talked about how you'll spend time in prayer in your car. Or, you know, you just like to sometimes just have nothing going, but you're just thinking on the things of the Lord. Well, I think more and more, we're, we're all kind of like that, right? That we do not want to fill uh, our drives with just noise anymore. We needed that noise before we became a Christian. We had to have uh, maybe music blaring yeah. to try to escape from the noise around us. Uh, silence is even louder than noise hmm. because silence causes us to, it forces us to think through and to meditate all that is happening uh, around us. So I do, I, I like to just kind of slow down, have that Selah moment where when I hit a destination or when I'm about ready to take off, I just, I want to think back on what just happened, what just took place, what can I do to change it, make it better? Um, did I mess up? Did I blow up? And uh, let's move forward. Yeah. That's good. So the account goes on now. Here's verse 28. It says, Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. I mean, what was that about, right? Mm. I mean, Jesus was like, All right, see you guys, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but he had a plan the whole time. And uh, that, what you see there, was, was really Eastern hospitality. It's so foreign to us here in the United States. I was talking to to a friend who went to Lebanon and he said he met this guy and that night. He's like, no, no, you're staying in my house. Mm. <laughs> they just met, you mm. know? Not saying that's the wisest thing to do, but you know, you have cultures where hospitality is so massively important. It's like like with Lot and, and the angels, you know, come stay in my house. There's another uh, account in the Old Testament similar, you know, no, no, you're, gonna, you're not gonna stay in the open square. You're gonna come and stay in my house and I'll take care of all your needs, you know? And there's a, there's a sweetness to hospitality. Absolutely. No, 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 come with us, keep going with us. They just met him, right? They don't know it's Jesus. They're having, you know, uh, interaction and, and then you see that happen. And, and so then it goes on and it says, now it came to pass as they sat at the table with, as he 
sat at the table with them that he took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. Oscar, how touching is that? That they recognized him and their eyes were open in the moment that they last experienced with him before he went to the cross, right? I mean, in terms of when they were all together, obviously they went to Gethsemane, but then he went to the cross, but the the last supper, right? They sat with him and now they recognized, whoa, it's the Lord. Oh man. Yeah. And, and what, a, hub, man. Yeah. what an act of grace that they would be able to, um, that their eyes would be open and they would be able to see such truth, beauty, and goodness manifested in one person. Mm-hmm. That's an act of grace. Yeah. If, if their eyes weren't open in that moment, Jesus would have left them and they never would have seen him. Do you see what I'm saying? He's opening their eyes so that they could see the truth, beauty, and goodness that that the Savior really is. That in itself is an act of grace that God would allow us to see Him, uh, see Him there. That first, that God would draw near to us, that He would be patient with us, and then He would open our eyes so that we can see all of the beauty that's there. And let me go back to what you mentioned about hospitality, because I think that's so important. Not only does does God provide hospitality to us by inviting us to the communion table? Hmm. We were once enemies and now we are, uh, you know, we are adopted as heirs. We are invited to the family feast, the dinner, which is what communion is every Sunday. We're taking this feast on the celebratory feast with God. But also I think what it does to us is it, it helps us realize that we need to invite others to our table. We talk about this often in regards to evangelism, like evangelism and discipleship are often talked about as separate from each other. But actually, as you read the New Testament, and especially as you study the early church, they didn't hold back discipleship from non-believers. They would proclaim the gospel and then they'd invite them over. They would have hospitality. And it was the witness of the way that they would pray to God and the way they would treat one another inside the church and inside their families that would soften people's hearts and bring them to a saving faith. And I think the reminder to us as Christians is, how many times, how often do you have your non-believing neighbors over for dinner? Yeah. How often do they get to, they've, they, you know, hopefully they've heard you proclaim the gospel. Now do they get to see you live it out? Do they get to hear you pray with your children? Do they see how you treat your wife? Do they feel loved by you? Have they had a meal with you at your table? Have you done what Christ has done for you? Mm. Inviting them to communion. Yeah. Or as uh, Stephen Short said, hospitality is making your guests feel like they're at home, even if you wish they were. <laughs> <laughs> That's really you know, good. there's the thought that um, Jesus could have moved on and instead he came and had communion with them and ate with them. And we have those in the world that know Jesus intellectually from the Bible, maybe yeah. even seen in the Old Testament. But remember what he said to the church in Revelation 3, verse 20, Behold, mm. I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come into him and sup or commune with him and he with me, which is what salvation is about, mm. having that intimate communion with him. He that has the Son has life. Wow, that's so good. Yeah, and so let me read the last portion here. It says, and in verse 32, and says, And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us? while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us. 
So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the 11 and those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them and the breaking of bread. Hmm. Ray, the first thing they did was they got up and they went and they told others. And so we should. Um, I have mentioned before that the Great Commission is a reproach on human nature. It shows how wicked we are, that we should have to be commanded to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It's like saying to a doctor who's surrounded by cancer patients who are dying, who's found a cure to cancer, you must take that cure. No, he shouldn't be told. He should run to them because he has love and and compassion in his heart. And so I look at that Great Commission and think, what a shame that Jesus had to command the church to do that. We should have been running and saying, and you think what happened to the disciples? They stayed in Jerusalem and it took persecution to scatter them everywhere preaching the word. And sometimes that makes, um, that's something what we have to have before we go out and do what we should. Yeah. You know, Mark 1, right, the leper, we've talked about him many, many times. Jesus even commanded him not to say anything. Right. And it says he went out and he began to spread the matter so much so freely, it says. Blazed abroad the matter, King James. Yeah, and and to such a degree that that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city and they came to him from every direction. Mm. I mean, this one man made Jesus famous. And Ray, don't you think... That's a good preacher, by the way, because that has never happened when I go to my town and preach. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Ray... uh, But the thing is, is that they were possessed by the reality because it just happened. They, you know, Peter talks about if you lack those virtues, which I've mentioned before, Mm. you've become short-sighted even to blindness and forgotten your purification from your old sins. Don't you think it's it's the fact that we lose sight of reality and truth because we're not in God's word as they, they were just, they were not just in God's word, but God's word himself, the word of God, was revealing the word of God to them. And they were consumed with that reality and that stirred them to go. Yeah, we've got to hold on to our first love. I've still got my first love. I've never lost my first love, both for my wife Hmm. and for my Lord. How could anyone lose their first love? Because that's what drives you to do his will. How come I not speak that which was seen and heard? So yeah, hold fast to that which you have. Let no man take a crown. Hold fast. Yeah. Don't let it go. If you've lost your first love, get on your knees and say, Lord, show me myself as you see me and show me yourself as you are, and that'll bring you to your knees. And that isn't original. It isn't? No, not that one. Okay. I don't know who said it. Good. Right. I just said it. So you won't be accused of plagiarism yes. today. Well, friends, there you have it. Heartburn, exploring what happened on the road to Emmaus. My heart is stirred right now, guys. It's burning within me just over this conversation and mm-hmm. that reminder you know, of who Jesus is and what he did and his care and his love and the reality of his resurrection. And so friends, we're hope you're, we're we're hope, we're hope. (laughs) I can't even talk straight. We hope you're encouraged as well and that you'll also obey, be in the word and then go out and make that word known as you proclaim the gospel. And as you do it, friends, don't forget the new and improved Living Waters hat. It's not the helmet of salvation, but a close second. So make sure to check it out along with the Evidence Bible at livingwaters.com. Don't forget to leave your comments, to rate the podcast, tell others about it. That's important. It's a baseball cap, isn't that what you call it? Yeah. So I, people know I, it's not like a cowboy. Oh, I don't play baseball. Sorry. Yeah. Cowboy. It's not like a cowboy. Yeah. Hat. No, yeah. no. It comes in sombrero version. Well. <laughs> All right. I'm in now. Yeah. Oscar We've got, did. We've got the whole so, of Psalms written on the yeah. sombrero. So check it out, friends, and remember the Evidence Study Bible as well, alllivingwaters.com. Leave us comments, tell people about the program, all that other good stuff. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time on The Living Water. <coughs> Her, hers. <laughs>
podcast. What was the website address again? Uh, livingwaters.com. Where? Boy, we really today have no idea <laughs> what we're doing. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. I have no idea where that ridiculous saying came from, but friends, we do have winners. Winners for the podcast giveaway. That is the Living Waters podcast. We have Angela from Yucca Valley, California. Yvonne from Crestline, California. Brooke from Clayton, North Carolina. Andrea from Anderson, Indiana. Elias from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Becca from Lincoln University, Pennsylvania. Lowell from Yakima, Washington. Don from Charleston, Illinois. John from Ford, Australia. Good on you, Mike. And Dave from Willen Lane, United Kingdom. Congrats.